Hi, everyone. Paul from the Data Storytellers here. Today, I'm with Giles Pavey, who's the Global Director of Data Science at Unilever, among many other roles he's, he's working on in the uh, AI and data science space. Great to have you with us. Uh, it's nice to be here. Thanks for inviting me. And I've been really excited about this conversation for, for some time now. But for those who don't know you, just tell us a little bit about your professional background, your, your journey, and you know, where, where you stand now. Uh, sure. Um, so as you say, I, uh, I work at Unilever, uh, where I um, am finding ways for Unilever to use uh, data science, so typically machine learning and, and non-standard uh, types of data uh, to improve the business. Uh, and as you say, I also have a, a couple of other hats. So I'm um, an advisor to uh, uh, AI assurance ethics uh, startup called Holistic AI, which I'm very excited about. And then I also have uh, uh, visiting positions uh, with a couple of universities. So I'm uh, the chair of industrial advisors for the AI Centre at University College London. And I'm also the uh, chair of the industrial advisors for um, Oxford uh, Mathematics or the uh, Centre let me get this right, the uh, Centre for Doctoral Training in Industrial-Focused Mathematics um, at Oxford University, which uh, all of those are a lot of fun and all of them tend to play off each other in terms of, well, in my mind at least, in terms of uh, you know, what I see at one I can bring to another and, uh, and vice versa. And where did you get started in this, this data journey? So I've been... Um, uh, really lucky, I think, in that uh, uh, really from the start of my career, I've been around uh, data and analytics. So uh, my first uh, degree was in physics, uh, which was very much because I was good at it. And uh, back in the 80s, uh, you had to be pretty full-sighted to do anything other than just the subject you were best at at school. And then when I decided that uh, maybe I wasn't uh, cut out to be a scientist, I uh, had a think about what I found interesting, and what I found interesting was uh, um, advertising and the sort of the, um, the uh, numbers side of advertising. But at those days, you couldn't study uh, advertising, so I found out you could study marketing. So I, I studied marketing at, um, in uh, Kingston Business School in London, and then my uh, the whole of my career has been around the intersection of, uh, of uh, numeracy, analytics, and, uh, and understanding and trying to uh, uh, improve uh, human behavior um, and operational behavior. So I started off in, uh, in market research, uh, working for a company called Mass Observation, um, which got uh, subsumed and subsumed and is now part of Cantar. Uh, uh, and then in the mid-90s, I joined uh, Information Resources, IRI, uh, the American uh, uh, grocery audit company, as they set up in the UK as their um, head statistician. And that was great. I had five uh, fantastic years setting up their, um, setting up their auditing of uh, UK grocery and uh, health and beauty Um and then in 1998, I joined um, Dunhumby, 
which at the time was about 30 people. And I joined to head up their analytics for what at the time was their biggest client, uh, Tesco, the UK retailer. And that was a fantastic place and just got, uh, uh, went from success to success. So I started off leading a team of six analysts um, working on Tesco in the early days of uh, the Tesco club card. And in those times, we could only analyse one half of 1% of all of the transactions that were made on Tesco club card. Today, though, you could do, you could do that on your phone. You could analyse the whole lot of it on your phone. Uh, but in those days, in 1998, when I joined, you can only do one half of a percent. And so we rode, we, we rode uh, I guess, Moore's Law uh, with computers getting better and also Tesco's um, appetite for doing more and more with data. So uh, really we found out that there was no part of the business that couldn't be helped by understanding um, customers better and using data um, and so went from success to success. Uh, I headed up the, uh, the Tesco analytics team that got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then I was asked to head up all of analytics at uh, Dunhumby, uh, which was an amazing job and really uh, yeah, has been the bedrock, I guess, of my, uh, of my career. Uh, uh, 10 years of solidly working with Tesco on all aspects of their business. And then... Uh, working, taking that knowledge of Tesco around the world uh, with retailers in, in every continent, uh, which was a fantastic privilege and a lot of fun. And then in uh, 2011, when Dunn and Humby uh, uh, sold the business, uh, the new CEO asked me to be um, to lead on innovation. And uh, every year I, I did a presentation to the board on uh, what should be the new big research and development topics and in the second one of those I did in 2012, I, uh, I passionately presented as to why this new thing called data science should be where the company was doubling down. And uh, you might well have heard the expression, be careful what you wish for. And uh, at that meeting, they said, oh, you're so right. And uh, by the way, uh, you're no longer the head of innovation. Can you become the chief data scientist? So... Um, we were lucky at that time we had uh, maybe a couple of dozen uh, data scientists, uh, oh, although at that time they didn't call themselves data scientists, uh, sort of uh, statisticians and uh, machine learning experts. We brought them into one team and recruited some more. So I had five fantastic years of, as uh, chief data scientist at Dunhumby. Uh, then uh, I left Dunhumby in 2016 and uh, um, look for my big, uh, for my next challenge. And uh, that took me, uh, I was guided by a, um, I think it's Japanese uh, uh, philosophy of uh, Ikigai, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, where you um, look to see, well, what do you enjoy doing? Uh, what are you good at? Uh, what can you get paid to do? And what does the world need? And for me, that was to do um, data science for public good. And so that took me uh, to the UK government, where I worked uh, for the um, Department for Work and Pensions, which is uh, the largest uh, civil service department, not only in the UK, but also in Europe. 
uh, with a budget of close to 200 uh, billion pounds, um, 20 million customers who are getting uh, various pensions and benefits um, and uh, work there uh, building a data strategy and also uh, helping to build out a data science community. And that was a lot of fun. Uh, unfortunately, the funding uh, uh, didn't last. And uh, so uh, um, I'm a big uh, uh, beneficiary of, of having a very healthy uh, network of, of, uh, of people I've met through the years. And one of those uh, people was a good friend of mine, who uh, Andy Hill, who was Chief Data Officer at, uh, at Unilever and approached me to ask if I would uh, come to Unilever to help um, build out uh, data science at that company. So that was uh, in 2019, 2018, sorry. And uh, that's been uh, a fantastic um, opportunity and uh, is uh, still what I do today. And uh, what's been great is not only have I uh, had that journey in terms of the main thing I do, I guess, or the, the first thing on my LinkedIn profile, but uh, also for the last, uh, ever since I was um, uh, doing the role of uh, Head of Innovation at Dunhumby, I've uh, been encouraged and been able to build out uh, my jobs and responsibilities uh, beyond. So first of all, that was getting involved with uh, University College London and their Computer Science uh, Department. And uh, after that, uh, um, I had a, uh, a friend who'd moved into the maths department at, uh, at Oxford University, and they asked me to help them, uh, giving them advice on, on how they could uh, work better with industry. And of course, so much of that is, is really this role, which I, I, I guess is what connects all of my different roles together, which is this role of translation knowing enough about the science and the mathematics or the computer science to be able to translate that into how that can be useful for, for business or for the public sector. And that's the common theme, I think, that, that goes uh, across all of my work. And then the last part, uh, I guess, of my portfolio has developed uh, about 18 months ago, uh, a startup coming out of the uh, UCL um, AI center, specifically on AI ethics and assurance called Holistic AI, uh, run by um, uh, two people I've worked with before, Emre Kazim and Adriano uh, Koshiyama, and uh, got very interested in that area of how do you, uh, in real life, how do you assure uh, AI? It's very easy to say that you want to make sure your AI is fair, or that you've got human oversight, um, but how do you actually make that happen? And uh, had the, the good fortune of, of working with them and being able to bring them to Unilever. Um, so yeah, very happy. I'm very, very lucky. I think I've been in the right place at the right time. And as I said, I think I've also been a beneficiary of over that time having, you know, the, um, obviously I wish I was younger, um, but one of the benefits of age is that uh, over this time you do, um, you know, I've been working in data and analytics now for 31 years, 32 years, I think this will be my 32nd year. And over that time, you, you get to see a lot of things, but maybe more importantly, you get to meet a lot of people and, mm. and build a network that you can really, uh, you know, especially in data science, it, it's such a, a collaborative effort and uh, 
you're never going to be the person who knows everything. So, so that's been really good. Yeah, it's super interesting. You've got a super diverse background working within data, you know, for the government, for consumer goods, for, for, for marketing. How do you see data analytics today? Because a point you made earlier was about you, you, you see yourself as a translator of data for the business. Do you think that's the same across, you know, data analytics today? Or do, do, do you, what do you think about the state of the data function in, in most businesses? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think over the course of our discussion, you're going to consistently find that I have a lot of just simple, maybe even kind of apple pie kind of truisms that I, I tend to uh, live my business life by. And I think it's fair to say that every organisation that I've been involved with is constantly trying to do more, but with less. And you know, while there is no silver bullet, I do tend to find that the closest thing to a silver bullet is to use uh, data and analytics to understand the situation and then to deliver a, a improvement on the situation. So when I was at Tesco, uh, working with, uh, at Dunhumby working with Tesco, you know, I would talk about, you know, Tesco can win by understanding their customers better than anybody else and then delivering on that understanding. So what do, what do people want and then actually using data science to deliver what they want. So whether that's better recommendations or uh, a um, better ranges or better um, promotions. Yeah, all of those things both rely on an understanding of the situation. And oftentimes that's a bit more than just taking the data at face value. You have to understand the context of what's going on. And then actually delivering on that and, uh, you know, some of those obviously require data science, like a recommendation engine. Uh, others, it's less obvious that data science is, you know, an integral part. Um, but there's so many things that you can do, whether it's optimization uh, or modeling forecasting, that can really help. So, uh, and I've found that sort of translation part and that really understanding, understanding uh, behavioral systems and then improving uh on that yeah that's been consistent whether it's been at tesco or at the uh in the civil service um understanding what's going on and now at unilever which is obviously in yeah there's a big overlap between unilever making groceries and tesco selling groceries but you know it's not all the same uh you, know, you have manufacturing and how and logistics on a on a, a massive scale in, in a company like Unilever, you also have global operations and uh, you know analytics and data science can play a massive role in in taking learnings from one part of the world or the business to another. So um, I think there's a lot of consistency. I think that every area that I've been exposed to um, consistently can benefit from. Uh, data and analytics really just because you find out that it's already working and yet people don't fully understand what's going on so you know, it's not really that surprising that if you have a better understanding of what's going on you can make it work even better so that sounds like a really good challenge for um, sorry a really good opportunity for, for data leaders what do you think are the key challenges for data transformation leaders and and kind of a second question on top of that what role do you think that 
that, that data and analytics leaders play in that. Hmm. So I've been fortunate to look at this from, had experience of this from a couple of different angles. So at Dunhumby, uh, we were consultants to our, um, to our client businesses. And there, very much, I think, uh, having a top-down uh, sponsorship and buy-in to wanting to move the company um, to be more uh, analytically driven is key. I think if you don't have that, you get um, organ rejection of, of uh, things that you try and implement. You know, you don't need top-down sponsorship to build a model, I don't know, that forecasts demand, but you do need top-down sponsorship to change the process so that uh, demand moves from being on the whim of, or, or just the gut feel of some, uh, some incumbent people to actually being driven off of a model. And, you know, hopefully, well, uh, hopefully still with you know, human input in terms of you know, being the best it possibly can be. But, uh, you know, a change in that process. So I think it's really important to have, uh, you know, buy-in at the top level. I think what's also incredibly important um, is to have an understanding of the context of the situation. So I always um, will encourage data scientists uh, that I work with to maximize their knowledge of what the business actually does so when we were working with tesco uh, the single most beneficial year and the single most beneficial day of the year for me uh, was the day uh, just before christmas when i worked in my local tesco store as a helping hand and i was probably the least effective person in the <laughs> shop but it gave me a real understanding of the difference between maybe the model output of what products should be put next to each other or how you should be running a promotion or uh, how you should be restocking items to the actual physicality of how does that work? And that understanding of, you know, what is the business um, and how realistic is it to expect uh, data to be error-free? You know, some data is, you know, really quite realistic to for it to be data free because if it wasn't uh, error free sorry because if it was if it wasn't error free then all sorts of systems would break down and mm. there would be um you know problems with the tax man or problems with you know stores with nothing in them whereas other systems uh yeah you see that the data is a real afterthought and uh, so that understanding of of really how the business works is I think really key to being an effective uh, data science leader um, because this role of, sort of translation between what is technically possible versus uh, what is the process it has to fit into, what is going to be most valuable to the business or the organisation and what might be the order that you need to do things in order to get the... Um, for the change management to work, I think is one of the most important things for um, a, a data science leader. I also think that there's a, a really key role for data science leaders 
to be um, catalysts for um, for talent, um, to really make sure that uh, talented people can grow within the team. And I think that that's something uh, definitely um, in the, uh, it's probably easier in a, in a kind of consultancy business, but in a, in a manufacturing or a retail business, you know, there hasn't necessarily been a, a culture of having, you know, highly technical people, um, you know, and, and career paths and whatever might have been built on span of control, uh, you know, how many reports do you have, et cetera, rather than necessarily, you know, what's the depth of your technical knowledge. So that's a very important thing for uh, leaders to, uh, especially leaders in, you know, non uh, consulting or technical companies to to be you know very vocal and very um, uh, dogmatic in and and really push for making sure it's a great place for technical people to work um, playing a very sort of active role in making sure that a community can flourish um, and uh, so lastly, there is a, um, a lot of people uh, who want to go into data science. Um, they'll be very passionate about data science. Um, I think they're particularly unpassionate about um, uh, company politics or criming uh, the greasy pole. And so I think there's a role for data science leaders to provide air cover, if you like, for uh, their team in terms of, uh, you, know, um, you know, data science is, I don't think we should ever see ourselves as sort of, uh, you know, completely apart from the rest of the business, but I think it tends to be, you know, it, it attracts a lot of people who, who maybe are less well-suited to playing the corporate game. Um, and so I think a leader can provide air cover so that they don't, so that the team doesn't have to worry too much about maybe some of the, the more, um, uh, I don't know, uh, political uh, aspects of, of working in a, in a company and mm. so they can get on with, you know, get on with their data science, make sure that they understand the business and understand the context of the business and the data science is going to be in. But, but provide air cover so they don't have to, to, to worry or fret about um, uh, about uh, you know, the politics of things. That's interesting because on the one hand you have data science, which is it's I don't know I don't know how accurate this label is, but it's seen as more of an introverted profession, and you have to kind of integrate those skills with, as you say, dealing with the politics and dealing and being in in the meat grinder, right? So, what qualities do you think that? let's call them traditional data scientists would need to develop in order to, to function and thrive in that environment? I definitely think that the, the understanding the business is a really good way of, it really helps uh, people to be effective in their careers. And I would say also enjoy their careers more. So um, the good thing about uh, having worked for Tesco and uh, now for Unilever is that uh, you can expect all of your team 
to have at least some experience of having been shopping or um, uh, eating ice cream or, or um, Marmite or pot noodle. Um, but getting a real understanding of but how exactly does the company make money? Um, what exactly are the hard decisions that the business has to make? I think that really helps people uh, to not only be more effective because you know the models that they're building can be um, can be built with that thought of how are they going to be implemented. But I think it, it helps people be more creative. Um, you know, I'm a big believer that um, better data trumps better modeling, um, and I think that that's a pretty widely held uh, belief. And better data is is not just improving the data you've got, but it's being a bit of a Sherlock Holmes and going and finding data. You know, every every process that happens at a business or an organisation that involves a computer generates data. Now, whether that data is already neatly siphoned off and put into a data lake or whatever is a little bit secondary to you know knowing that that data should at least theoretically exist and then having the skills to be able to track it down the uh, the ability to work with the right people to get access to it and then having the you know panda skills or whatever else it might be to actually be able to take that data and you know and munge it to to make it um uh modelable so um i think skills wise the first skill or, or maybe just mindset i i always try and uh, preach to people say if they're coming in off of uh, a data science msc is is really get interested in the um in what the business does i think the second thing is to just really uh try and play your part in the community um you know we data science is such a the fact that it's built off of open source um you know i think is a brilliant thing not only the quality of the open source um, tools themselves, but also to really it attracts people who are interested in in being in community. And I don't think there's any contradiction between being, you know, introverted, well, definitely introverted in the psychological sense, but still wanting to be part and being able to be active in a in a community. And everywhere I've worked, I've tried to really um, uh, be a catalyst or, or a stimulus for building a community where people can ask each other questions, can share things of interest. And I really just want to build a community where, you know, irrespective of what stage I was at my career, you know, uh, I'd have liked to have worked there. Um, and one where you know, people are rewarded for, for, um, for, for sharing and for helping and collaborating. Um, and especially one where we encourage that it's... So if I think about Unilever or, or uh, Tesco, or in fact, uh, working at the UK government, um, here at Unilever, we have a data science community that is about five times bigger than the number of people with data science as a job title. So, you know, that, that shows you that data science is not... Yeah, there's plenty of people who are interested in data science and have the skills and whatever beyond just people who have the um, you know, the the, uh, the job title. 
so um that community building and the open-mindedness and the uh i think i've gone off on a bit of a tangent sorry paul but uh the community involvement and the um uh the self-improvement i think as well that's the other thing i would uh encourage people to do is just be a sponge uh, and just just challenge yourself to keep learning um yeah, I definitely encourage people to um, go to meetups. Uh, um, I think they're, uh, yeah, I, I'm lucky enough to live in London, uh, but there's there's plenty of virtual meetups as well if you if you don't live in a, in a big urban area. Um, yeah, I think that's a great way of not only keeping yourself up to date with skills, but also seeing, you know, maybe the skills you've already got used in a different context. Um, so... I think creativity is often the skill which will help people to um, progress or definitely be noticed. You know that uh, you know, obviously you need to do your data science to a to a high standard and in a you know, validated way, but uh, coming up with creative solutions, think creatively, and and, and just have a go. Um, I mean, I think that's another thing that the hacking culture, if you if you like, as, as showed us, is, you know, uh, just have a go at uh, can I apply this new technique to to, the, to this uh, data set or, or whatever else. No, I, by the way, we, we love tangents here, and I think that was a really positive one to go on, you know. <laughs> um, I was actually just interested to find out what role did these skills play in your success as a professional during your career, whether it was at Dunhumby or Tesco or, or Unilever now? Can you give some examples? Yeah, I can give you a, a, a few. So um, definitely um, curiosity and creativity uh, has been um, probably the single biggest thing to my success on projects. So uh, probably the the most impactful project that I've ever worked on was uh, I noticed that um, if you're in the supermarket and you're standing behind somebody and they're doing their shopping, you can um, you get a kind of mental image of what it must be like in their house. Uh, you know, what's, how are they making choices about what to buy? And then I worked with a very talented team to say, well, if that's the case, and you know, when I talked to other people about it, they thought, yeah, yeah, you definitely, you know, you get a feeling for is it the microwaves always pinging, or is it the children who are making the decisions, or is it all about, um, uh, you know, what's the provenance of the products, or is it all about time saving? And so from that, uh, yeah, over the course of a, a year, uh, we did a project, this was back in the early 2000s, with Tesco to build what we called the Lifestyles. And there were definitely a lot of technical challenges in, in building that. Fortunately, uh, by that stage of my career, so I was, uh, what, 15 years in, uh, yeah, we weren't relying on my coding. Uh, we, were, you know, we had a, a fantastic team of people who were, who were coding. And by then it was, uh, you know, my, my contribution was more around creativity and that translation there. So that was an example where, you know, those skills have uh, really been helpful. I think the just the curiosity 
in what the business does has really helped me in terms of um, getting things um, into operations and, and getting them used. Uh, you know, that's and that, that is that curiosity or wanting to really understand the business and then also being able to do that translation, you know, sit down with somebody who, you know, so currently in, um, in Unilever, we're working on uh, range rationalization. So how can you uh, make sure that you're offering the best um, selection of products, but you're not off- offering products which are just overcomplicating things or, or maybe you know, aren't, making you, um, aren't making you money? And it turns out that a lot of things that impact the um, the margin uh, that you make on products, you need to really understand like how a factory works and you know what happens between making you know an almond an almond flavored magnum and then retooling to make a double raspberry one, you know, uh, in order to really understand you know what would be the benefits or or not of you know, how you compare those two in, in data and analytics. So I think with that, um, you know, that real passion for understanding what the business does. And, uh, you know, that was when I joined the Department for Work and Pensions, I, I made a point of going and, you know, doing a couple of days of working in a, in a uh, job centre plus to really try and understand, you know, what was happening there so that, uh, yeah, I could really try and see how how things we could bring in things that that could not just be theoretically useful, but actually useful to to the uh, to the staff who are there on the front line. So, um, and then the the last thing I would say where a skill has just continued to to bear fruit is, yeah, you know, I've found it relatively easy to uh, yeah build a network of people uh, by being interested in, in what's going on and uh, curious and uh, you know trying to translate uh, maybe the data science world into the business world and back, back and forth and that's really been super helpful for me in terms of you know my career progression and my career opportunities uh, the last job that I interviewed for uh, applied uh, to an actual uh, a job interview, uh, 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 sorry, a recruitment ad, and got was in um, 1995. Yeah, everything I've done since then has been off the back of uh, people who knew me suggesting I might be interested in, in something else. Uh, and so, and that's been though built off of a network that I've sort of acquired naturally. Um, you know, that's my personality. It's driven in part by me wanting to you know, understand processes and, and really try and understand you know, businesses. It's also driven by my belief that you know, being able to find extra data is probably more a function of who do you know and who can you ask rather than necessarily um, you know, some sort of deep technical knowledge, in my case at least. So um, you know, that, that's really where sort of going out and uh, speaking to people and looking for, you know, connections and, uh, and um, 
I always try and introduce uh, people who I think are going to be able to help each other because I've been a beneficiary of that so much uh, through my time. So uh, that, that's another thing that I actively try and do. So that sounds like it, a lot of your opportunities have come from an element of trust. You know, people trust in you, they trust in your work. Apart from actually doing it, what do you think are some of the best ways to build and facilitate that kind of trust internally? Yeah, good question. Um, so I think definitely trust is this, probably the single biggest trust builder is having empathy um, that – so if you want to build trust, say, with um, somebody who works in the supply chain and has done it um, you know, for a decade or more, then I think knowing enough about how a supply chain works to be able to ask sensible questions and then be humble enough to ask sensible questions where you're acknowledging the fact that they're the expert. Um, and then, you know, um, if uh, relaying that back to them to just check your understanding. I think that's a really powerful way of building trust that you know, people, I think it's, a common thing for data scientists to be seen as sort of sitting in an ivory tower of, of uh, oh yeah, you don't need to. I, I think data mining kind of misled, had a bad image of this of, oh yeah, there's this stuff in the data that nobody would ever assume, or you know, never come to except for these amazing data scientists be able to mine it. Well, I think, you know, that's never really been the case in my, uh, in my experience. Data science, I think, is normally being able to quantify and deliver things that people have probably assumed, but now you can quantify and you can deliver it. You know, I don't think it's it's uh, um, a startling revelation to say that if you know what people have bought in the past, you can predict what they might like in the future. You know, that's what we do when we recommend things to our friends, and it's just doing that on scale. Uh, or, um, and similarly, it's it's not. Are you, um, uh, amazing to be able to suggest that by you know, understanding the weather, you can predict ice cream sales or better predict ice cream sales. You know, store managers or uh, have been doing that on a on a single level. What we're bringing is scale. So, I think a big part of building trust is you know being empathetic, understanding the business, doing that translation. Now, I would say another part of it is. Um, being very delivery focused and I would say delivery focused in terms of um, not delivering, sorry, delivering things that can be implemented. So one of the biggest problems I have seen uh, or maybe the biggest single problem I've seen uh, through my time of, of working on data science projects has not been about the data science or has not been about the computer science, but it's been about understanding the context and the process. It doesn't matter how good your model is for predicting the impact and optimizing the impact of sales promotions of whether you should run buy one, get one free or 20% off. Or It doesn't matter how good that is if it doesn't fit into the process of actually how does that change on the shop floor. So... Yeah, being able to 
start with things that can actually be implemented on the shop floor um, or whatever the equivalent of the shop floor is and yeah, build trust by uh, just impro- improving things, you know, showing those uh, uh, a quick win, to use a hackneyed phrase. And I think the other thing to say is um, put effort into uh, the way that you uh, present your work. Um, as maybe galling as it might be, uh, to many of our colleagues, um, you know, the key decision makers are likely to be less technical than you. So being able to, to present in, in a way which, will, which people can relate to, uh, hopefully grab their attention. You know, um, I think that there's a reason why um, you know, something like D3 uh, uh, graphics uh, charts, you know, interactive ones, uh, things that you know capture people's attention. You know, uh, typically, decision makers are seeing you know umpteen things a day. Being able to to capture their attention, and especially if that's something that you know is actually live, uh, is a great way of uh, you know building trust. I think the good thing is at the high level, especially people get it. They know that the future is about doing more with less and the, the better use of data and analytics uh, through machine learning is, you know, such a key part of that. People at the high levels, at least, they get that. So you, what you're really, you're not trying to sell in the idea of machine learning. Uh, you, you're trying to sell in the idea that your team is capable of delivering machine learning that can work for the business. Um, so I, I think that's key. And then I think on uh, at the uh, at the uh, operational level, you want to very much be yeah, emphasizing that uh, the good news is that in the vast majority of cases, the the data science is and the automation is taking away you know the kind of boring parts of jobs, and you're actually empowering people to be better at their jobs. You know. Uh, if you've got a system for pricing, that improves the job of a pricing manager, not kind of dilute it. You know, and I, th- I think that's the case uh, in most cases. So, you know, as long as you can show that empathy, I think you can, um, you know, most people are keen to have uh, the kind of monotonous parts of their jobs automated, you know. So, uh, and uh, as long as you can come with that uh, um learning mentality i think you 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 should be uh you know in a good position to to build trust mm. and there's some really good recommendations there joel's I've, I've i've been taking a lot of notes throughout uh last question what recommendations or advice would you give to data analytics leaders today um so definitely Never stop learning. Uh, challenge yourself. Um, the seemingly the uh, the more senior you get, the uh, the more the job will take you away from the uh, latest developments in the developments in uh, machine learning. Mm-hmm. Um, so you need to find what's right for you uh, to keep abreast of that. 
some of my colleagues uh, are amazing at carving out time to code themselves. I'm not that person. I achieve that through um, uh, through meetups and, and through having some uh, friends in my network who are very much in whether it's in academia or in um, in Kaggle or uh, or whatever else who are very much still on, in the forefront of, of writing and developing new libraries and whatever. But keeping yourself current on on data science is is really key. Um, being that um, uh, that translator, I think it's so key. You know, the um, uh, there's a book I was highly influenced by, and I'm not going to remember who it's by, but it's called the uh, I think it's called the Five Habits of uh, Highly Functioning Teams. But the point that really resonated with me is that unless you're the CEO, if you're a manager, you're both the manager of a team, but also a member of a team that's being managed, of, of a leadership team. And it's really tempting uh, to put your energies, the majority of, of your energies into the team you manage. But actually the biggest benefit you can be for the team you manage is to be really active in the leadership team that you're yourself a member of, to really uh, put their case and to really you know, see the bigger picture so that uh, you, know, you can be that air cover, so you can be, you know, really maximize the effectiveness of your team. So that would be um, another piece of advice. And um, for me, uh, I'd say that the last piece of advice is to really try and stay positive. Um, I was given this uh, fantastic piece of advice by a, a good friend and colleague, uh, Max Jolly. And he said, in whatever situation that appears to be bad, there's always an opportunity to judo roll it to your advantage. So I've never done judo, but my limited understanding is that judo is all about you use the, the force of the aggressor to be their downfall. So, you know, if you're dealing with a stakeholder who's, you know, maybe dismissive of machine learning, uh, you know, how can you judo them on that? How can you either, you know, help them to understand it or, you know, uh, if you if if they're an immovable object, how do you, how do you get around them? You know, and I think uh, being positive and uh, finding ways, you know, finding the positive in a situation, the silver linings is a key thing. And the good news is, as a data science leader, you're incredibly unlucky if there isn't a positive. You know, whatever the business problem is, there's almost certainly a way data science can help. Um, so it's not like we're in a kind of declining industry or that, you know, that we're a burden on the business or anything like that. You know, we're incredibly lucky to be working in an area which is, you know, generally positive. People who uh, are against us are in the minority or they're not on, you know, they're not on the side of history, if you like. You know, they can't point to articles in the Harvard Business Review about why machine learning is a flash in the pan or anything like that. So, um you know, be positive for the team and, uh, you know, really try and uh, you know, um, find the positive way of, of, of going forward. And, and usually you will find it, you know, there's normally a judo role in there somewhere. 
And that is your role as a leader is to, you know, is to find the path through. And that's some, some great advice there, Giles. Uh, I've really had a great conversation for the last 50 minutes or so. Um, I hope we have you on again on the show soon because it's been really insightful and, and thanks for joining us. Well, thank you so much for having, having me. Thank you very much. Thank <music> you.